It's going to happen today, Lord. I pray for the singing here in just a moment. We'd lift our voices and praise and honor and glory to you, Lord, a little later. As Brother Terrell comes to preach the word of God today, Lord, I pray that you'd just bless him, you'd fill him, Lord, and you'd, you'd challenge us and change us as a result of being under the teaching and preaching. And I do pray, Lord, if there'd be one here today or listen online or out in the parking lot, Lord, who's never truly trusted Christ as their Savior, that today, Lord, they would repent, they'd change their mind, and they would believe, put their full weight and trust in the fact that you died for them, was buried, rose again, and you would save them if they'd call upon your name. Bless our services. May Jesus be magnified in Christ's name. Amen. All righty. Good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and stand as we jump into the worship service, starting out with There is Power in the Blood. Today is Palm Sunday, and, and then just kind of thinking back to where 
As Jesus entered Jerusalem, all sorts of folks were lined up shouting Hosanna, saying, hey, this is our Redeemer. This is the one who's going to save us from the power of Rome. And yet, Christ had the bigger plan of coming to to not save them from Rome, but to ultimately save them from themselves, save them from sin. And that extends all the way to us today. So let's sing of our Redeemer, starting with the chorus. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer with His blood He purchased me on the cross He sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free I will sing around you. Tell them how it's good to see them today. Even <clears throat> Again, there's been some um, in Virginia. You can go ahead and take a seat. Uh, <clears throat> there's been some changes in regulation and all that jazz. So, hey, maybe we'll be able to shake hands again. Or you can just go ahead and shake hands if you'd like. Uh, <clears throat> but right now, we'll go ahead and jump into the special music uh, sung by Miss Lynn and Miss Ann.
Thank you, Miss Ann and Miss Lynn. And that's, uh, that's the whole point of why Jesus came. He came to die, and then he rose again the third day. And that's what gives us hope, and that is, uh, that's Christ giving him himself and defeating death, hell, and the grave so that we don't have to spend an eternity in hell. Right now, let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer. So go ahead and pray. Uh, pray there with uh, the person sitting beside you um, uh, or there by yourself. And we're going to ask, uh, ask God that the Holy Spirit would speak to us personally uh, through the scriptures. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you for giving us another day to live, another opportunity to serve you. I thank you, God, that you give, you give us rain, you give us sunshine, you give us everything that we need. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that um, this time of year we specifically look at how you came and you died and you rose again the third day. I pray that we would take that message and share it with everyone around us. I pray that we would, as uh, Pastor Mike said in Sunday school, that, that it would change us and transform us so that we wouldn't be the same way that we were when we first trusted you, but that we would grow and be sanctified uh, through you, God. I pray for uh, Brother Terrell that you would give him the words to speak, that we would be attentive to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if everyone go ahead and please stand as we sing uh, the final song before uh, Tater Man comes up. But uh, we'll showcase another uh, part of this song uh, in, I think it's the second verse where it says, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know, I know that it is finished. And that was Christ's victory cry on the cross. Whenever everything was paid for, everything was done, he said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. It wasn't a matter of the Romans and Pharisees scheming to kill Christ. He was willingly giving his life. So let's sing, How Deep the Father's Love.
I do take the Lord. Woo! Yeah, there we are. Start said, do thank the Lord, but uh, yeah, he heard it. I believe you heard it, amen. But anyway, certainly it's a great joy to be here this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike, for asking us to come, and I appreciate the Lord working it out. Uh, we were scheduled to be here next week, but uh, uh, God saw fit to change things around, and so I do thank the Lord for that. And I like what Brother Mike said. He said his uh, son was on a power trip. I said, I know some people up in D.C. on the same thing, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, certainly it's a great joy to be here this morning. Do, do pray for me. I, I don't know if, uh, I've not been diagnosed to diabetic, but I clarify, when my sugar starts dropping, I feel, I feel it coming on, amen. So uh, do, do keep us in prayer. Tammy and Hunter is not here this morning. Hunter got his wisdom teeth cut out on Friday, and he's at home recuperating. And Tammy's at home taking care of him, and she's fixing beef stew for lunch. So amen, yeah. Uh, do uh, do pray for Hunter. He's he's having such a hard time. He likes to eat, like any normal teenage boy does. Amen. And uh, he's having a hard time not being able to eat. All he's doing is uh, he's on a liquid diet and on on uh, vanilla pudding and stuff like that and milkshakes. So uh, hey, milkshakes not bad. Could be worse. He could be on liver mush. Uh, come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you've not tried that, you ought to. Amen. That's, uh, that's, that's something, something from God right there, liver mush. Some of you about ready to throw up, ain't you? <laughs> anyway, uh, I like what Brother Ethan said. This is Palm Sunday, and with that being said, I want us to turn to Zechariah. Uh, 
in chapter number 9 today, Zechariah chapter number 9. Uh, do pray for us tonight. I'll be in Walnut Cove preaching for uh, one of Brother uh, Mike's dear friends, Brother Travis Howard. Uh, some of you might know him. He's a, he's, a, he's a good man of God. I do appreciate Brother Travis, and I'll be down there tonight. Good Lord willing. And then uh, I also pray the the doors are starting to open back up, and we do praise the Lord for that. Our schedule's starting to get busy again. Uh, next month, I'll be heading to the state of Alabama, preaching a revival meeting there, and do pr- pray for that meeting. And then we got another revival in the state of Kentucky already on schedule, so uh, the, the doors are starting to open back up. Amen. I do appreciate what the Lord is doing there. All right, Zechariah chapter number 9 this morning. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture uh, for the sake of time. Zechariah chapter number 9. And that verse of Scripture is actually verse number 9, where the Word of God says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And that's all I'm going to read for the sake of time today. May God add his blessings to the reading of the Word of God here today. Years ago, there was a triumphant entry made into the city of Jerusalem. And as, they, as, as that triumphant entry was made, we all know the story that the palm trees were, or the, the leaves of the palm trees were laid down, and it was made by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. On that day, the Lord Jesus Christ was praised by his disciples, and yet we find he was rejected by the ones whom he came to save. On that day, half the crowd praised him, and then days later they crucified the same one they praised. It was on this day that he had presented himself as their promised king, the Messiah. And a friend of mine, let me say this, he is the Messiah today, just as he was way back then. It was on this day he was promised the promised Messiah and also their king. But they refused to believe that. And in less than a week, the very people that should have welcomed him as their king saw to it that he was crucified. And let me say this this morning. I'm glad we have Christmas. I love Christmas time. Amen? I do. I'm a big kid. I really am. I love love Christmas time. I always have and always will. And I'm glad that uh, we get together with family and friends around Christmas time. I'm glad that we exchange gifts. And uh, that, by the way, exchanging gifts is also a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the wise kings came and gave gifts, did they not? But let me say this, we're coming upon right now the most important Christian holiday that there's ever been. I'm glad for the birth of Christ. We would not have what we have today without the birth of Christ. But let me say this, we would not be saved without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot have salvation without resurrection. And next Sunday, we'll call it Resurrection Sunday, call it Easter Sunday, whatever you may want to call it. But the word Easter is the only holiday that's actually mentioned in the Word of God. Easter. That's found in the book of Acts. But friend, we cannot have salvation without having the resurrection. Jesus was killed upon a cruel tree. And as we think about today being Palm Sunday, I want us to look at that triumphant entry that was made over 2,000 years ago. As today being Palm Sunday, I want to look at this, and I want to look at the entry of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'm going to preach on that subject today. Oh, the King is coming. 
I said, oh, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet. Hallelujah, friend. I'm starting to feel something. I said, oh, the king is coming. I just heard the joyful sound. The king is coming. Amen. And friend, it could very well be today that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, returns for His church. Wouldn't it be awesome that on Palm Sunday, Jesus Christ returns? Came in, hey, and by the way, when He comes this time, He's not coming as He did the first time. But I want to preach today on the subject, Oh, the King is coming. I want to give you three different things what I found here in Zechariah chapter number 9, verse number 9. Number one, can I say this? The first thing that we see is the prophecy of the coming king. Now, I love Bible prophecy. I love looking into it. Me and Brother Hunter was talking a little bit about it before the service began, about uh, how things are going to take place, about the hell that's fallen in Revelation. Y'all had just golf ball size hell yesterday from what I've been seeing and hearing. We didn't get any in, in uh, Mayberry. Most of the time when we get something in Mayberry, it's pea-sized, amen? And, but uh, you guys got golf ball-sized hell yesterday. and We were talking about how that over in the book of Revelation, hell is going to weigh at least 100 pounds, if not even more. I can't even fathom that. I'm just glad, Brother Daddy, I'm not going to be here when that happens, amen? And if you're saved by the grace of God, neither are you. But we find here the prophecy of the coming king when Zechariah, when he penned these words down, Jerusalem was still in ruins because it had been destroyed by the Babylonian empires and there were a few Jews who had returned to that devastated city and they began a process of rebuilding Jerusalem and also rebuilding the temple. But Zechariah does not focus on the devastation. What he does is he looks down through the telescope of time. He looks down through the telescope of eternity, if you will, and he sees a time and sees a day when Jerusalem is going to be visited by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? He sees that is going to happen in the future. And he pinned it down here, that he's going to come riding upon a little donkey. And by the way, I'm glad God used that little donkey. You know Why? Because it showed me that if God can use a donkey, he can use Brother Walter. Amen? And if you say by the grace of God, he can use you too. And you ought to study that little donkey sometime. It's, it's really, really an interesting study to study. That. He's never ever been used. Never been ridden upon. And everybody thought that he was just useless and just a, a little donkey's tied up in a corner somewhere. I'm glad that God can look in the corner and use anybody. Amen? And something very interesting, and I'll talk about it here in, in a little bit, but something that's interesting is the fact that that is the only time that you're reading the Bible where Jesus ever needed anything. Think about that. That's the only time that you'll ever hear where God was in need of anything. Because the Bible says, for I have need of him. That's what Jesus said to those disciples. Go and find him because I need him. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But we see that um, Zechariah, he looked down and he saw a time when, in the future when Jesus would come riding in on a donkey. And the prophets see the day when Messiah will come and all that city will be filled with his honor and with his glory. And don't you notice something about this, uh, about this prophecy that Zechariah wrote about? Number one, it was a powerful prophecy. It was a powerful prophecy. 
The Bible said that he is just and having salvation. You see, Zechariah writes to tell the people that the most anticipated event in all of human history is going to take place and come to pass right there in that little town, little city of Jerusalem. And friend, that was the most important event in all of history. Uh, we've got a, I got a brand new lesson that I'm going to be presented to the schools that I wrote on the history of Easter. Brother, I can't wait to, write, to teach it. Matter of fact, if I can't get those schools to let me teach, I'm just going to teach it to myself. I mean, brother, it's, it's just awesome. Why do we celebrate Easter? How did it all originate from a, from a worldly standpoint? And how does it come to be tied with the Bible? We all know, but a lot of people don't. Amen? And so I might just, I might just do a Facebook Live teaching with, this week. Who knows? And just, just show it. But um, here we find that uh, Zechariah, he writes to tell the people that the most anticipated event of all human history and most important events about to take place. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, men had been looking by faith to a day when a Redeemer would come and pay man's sin debt. And for thousands of years, man had been coming to the altars and offering blood sacrifices of animals to cover their sins. And so Zechariah, what he does, he tells them that there is going to come a day when a man is going to come. Amen. There is one coming, my friend, who will do more than just cover their sin. But as a matter of fact, the Bible said he will save people from their sin. He's doing more than just covering it up, brother. He's saving them. This promise was made in the New Testament by the angel who announced the birth of Jesus Christ to Joseph and Mary. He said, he, the angel told Joseph and Mary, for thou shalt uh, call him Emmanuel uh, be, be, and interpret God with us, but he shall save his people from their sin. The angel prophesied, it was prophesied in Zechariah, and the angel even prophesied it, and then we read about another person who did the very same thing. It was that wild man out in the wilderness. It was that wild Baptist preacher, amen, by the name of John. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who shall save, uh, take away their sin, amen. I'm glad today, my friend, that John the Baptist, he said that, the angel said it, and thank God, that's exactly what Jesus did when he came to this world. He went to the cross and did what the blood of goats and bulls and other animals could not do. He shed his blood for the sin of all mankind, amen. And he paid the entire sin debt which was owed by mankind. That was a powerful prophecy. It was also a precise prophecy. Zechariah told them just how they would be able to recognize this king when he came to them. He said that he would be upon the colt of an ass, a little donkey. Why don't you look at something with me real quick in the book of Daniel. We're going to turn, uh, turn in some... Uh, pages this morning. That's, that'll be alright because uh, we need to read the Word of God. Amen? Book of Daniel chapter number 9. Book of Daniel chapter number 9. We was in Zechariah 9. Now let's go to Daniel 9. Book of Daniel chapter number 9. Look with me in verse number 24. Word of God says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up 
the vision and prophecy to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, unto the Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, this was a precise prophecy. In these verses I just read, we find God's plan for the nation of Israel is now on display. God will finish his work during a 70-week period. This covers a period of about 490 years, according to some Bible scholars. During this time frame, everything falls in place precisely right down to the T. I mean, it falls exactly where it needs to fall according to the Word of God. Now, verse 25, they will begin with the order to rebuild Jerusalem. And then years later, in the book of Nehemiah, we find that they rebuilt it. And a man named Artaxerxes, he did it. He rebuilt it in Nehemiah chapter number 2, verses 1 through 6. And then we see in the latter part of verse 25 that it took seven weeks of years or 49 years. I know this is deep, but I'm going somewhere. I want you to go with me, okay? Just hang on. We're going somewhere. <laughs> it took 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem, and all of this was done during times of great trouble. Now, from that time, there was 434 years until Messiah was to come. And if we take all this literally, these 434 years leading up to the Messiah's coming would be to the exact day that Jesus Christ, he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. And friend, we find here, as we bring it all together, prophecy was now fulfilled right down to the letter. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, this Bible is just as up to date as the day's newspaper. Amen. I'm telling you, it all happened. It all happened. We also read that um, Messiah would be cut off. After Messiah came, there are several prophecies that took place. We read that, in, that Zachari- uh, it, it said Messiah will be cut off. Well, guess what that means? The crucifixion. That meant he's going to be cut off. He's going to be killed. He's going to be crucified. This is why the Jews refused him, and they still refuse him today. Also, we find that Jerusalem will again be destroyed. Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 2, was fulfilled in the year 70 AD by Titus, the Roman general. And then we find there's going to be a great war to which it will engulf Israel. You can read about that in Ezekiel 38 and Ezekiel 39. 69 weeks, or if you break it down, 483 years of the prophecy has been fulfilled, which means this, there's still one week left. <laughs> I said there's still one week left. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Walter? Or seven years left. 
What does that mean? It means this. Jesus, the king, came exactly as the Old Testament said that he would at the exact moment, fulfilling it to a T. It also means that he is exactly who he said he is. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one who's going to save his people from their sins. Amen? That's what it all means. It was a powerful prophecy. It was a prophetic uh, prophecy. It was a precise prophecy. Not like this. It was a personal prophecy. It was a personal prophecy. Bible said, thy king cometh unto thee. What does that word thee mean? It means you, and it means me. It means, hey, he's coming to us on a personal level, amen? There's no other king on earth that would see you and I on a personal level. The queen of England would not, they don't even know our name. Come on now. I mean, let's, let's be honest this morning. I don't care who the president is, they don't know your name. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. But there's one. There's a king in heaven, my friend. Hallelujah. There's a king in heaven who knows us by name. He knows every move that we make, every step that we take. He wants to come to us, and he's with us on a personal level. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the king of kings loves us? And he, this prophecy is a personal thing. It's a personal prophecy that king cometh unto thee. Zechariah is telling his readers here that this coming king will be a personal king. This is to say that this coming king is coming for individual people. Jesus, you know what he did while he's upon earth? He didn't put himself upon a pedestal. He didn't say he bowed down and kissed my feet. No. He came to us on a personal level. He came and he ministered not to a certain group of people. He came and just ministered to people. Matter of fact, I think I read one time, Brother Hunter, where he washed the disciples' feet. A king washing the servants' feet. Brother Ethan, I can't make sense of that. But he did. He sure did. Now, I, I know there's some people who believe in foot washings and others not so much. Yeah, I, I, Brother, you're not touching my feet. <laughs> I'm ticklish, amen? And I don't want to smell nobody's stinking feet either. But Jesus, he did that. He brought himself down to where he washed their feet. I can imagine Brother Mike, their feet were pretty dirty. I mean, walking around in Jerusalem with flip-flops on, sandals, whatever you want to call them. Don't you think their feet got dirty? It sure did. I believe they even went as far as to smell pretty rough too. Amen. But Jesus, he, he, he humbled himself and washed their feet. There's not a king on earth that would do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but Jesus did. And so his, it's a personal thing. And we find that uh, you can see it throughout the Word of God, my friend, that He came and ministered to people. And you can look at it in the book of Luke and the book of John. You can read about where Jesus came looking for the sheep. He looked for the silver. He looked for the sun, which means it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend of mine, only the King of kings and Lord of lords can do something like that. He came for you and he came for me. The Bible says in Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. 
And here's what that all means. The words thou and the words thee and the words thy make it one on one. Not only do we see the prophecy of the coming king, but also we see the presentation of this coming king. The presentation of this coming king. Now let's turn to the book of Luke real quick. And I'll show you some New Testament scripture about what it's to say. Book of Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. We read about it in Zechariah. Now we're going to see it fulfilled in the book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 19 verse number 28. The word of God says this. And when he had thus spoken, he went before sending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and, and Bethany at the mount called Olive, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Look what he said: Go ye into the village over against you, and in which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied. Now, did Zechariah talk about that in Zechariah nine? He sure did. You shall find a colt tied where never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. Remember what I said a moment ago? This is the only time that I've read where the Lord ever needed anything. But the Lord hath need of this little donkey. And that they were sent their way, and found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners therefore said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? See, Jesus told them he was going to ask them why, and here he is asking them why. Yet another piece of prop, uh, prophecy, prophecy fulfilled. And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King, you see that, capital K? Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace of stones, would immediately cry out. He said, Go ahead and let them praise me. Go ahead and let them shout the praises of God. Last time they shouted like that was when he was born. Now they're shouting again, amen? It was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. Now it's coming to pass. We find when the king that Zechariah and Daniel finally did come, he came with all the proof that was needed to declare that he was the one that they'd been looking for. He was the very one that they'd been looking for, and yet a lot of them still rejected him. He came with the right authentication. The Bible said that he had some mighty works. His mighty works authenticated that he was the king of kings. You know, when you authenticate something, you know it's the real deal. Come on now. I said, you know, when you authenticate something, it is the real deal. Well, his works, my friend, authenticated that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the king of kings and the Lord. There's no other man on earth that was able to duplicate what he did. There's no other man on earth that was able to raise the dead and heal the sick and cause the blind to see. But he did. We find that uh, the two words, mighty words, described Jesus and his ministry right down to the letter. 
His entire life was one of miracles from his birth all the way up to his death. When Jesus came, not only did he claim to be the Messiah, he proved to be the Messiah by all the miracles he did. And so that authenticated that he was exactly who he said he is. He came with the right announcement. Look at verse 37 and 38. They began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. He also proved that he was a king by the right words. Not only the right words, but also the right words. His disciples praised him just as Zechariah said that they would. He prophesied it, and now it's happening. Amen. I mean, brother, if that ain't enough to get you excited, I don't know what will. I mean, you can see right before your very eyes that prophecy has been fulfilled. Prophecy is being fulfilled right here in the book of Luke. He came with the right announcement. They had the right words to say. The angels that pronounced his birth claimed he is the one. The devils, even the demonic spirits, knew who Jesus was. Even they claimed that he is the Lord. Amen. And if the devils and the demons can do it, certainly you and I can. Amen. Well, even John the Baptist in John chapter 1. All this is evidence that says he is exactly who he says he is. You see, I'm trying to give you a Bible to prove that, hey, Jesus is for real. But that's not all. Look what he came also with. He came with the right adversaries. Verse 39 through 40. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. We see Jesus, we see as he is entering into the city as king, his enemies knew exactly what was happening. They knew about the words of Zechariah. They knew about the words of Daniel, that Jesus was going to present himself that day in their presence as the king of Israel. They had no intention of believing this man, and in less than a week, they would join with their enemies, the Romans, and demand his death on the cross. We know that the Old Testament prophecy said it would be this way. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter number 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And with his stripes we are healed. They, it was prophesied in Isaiah. And now it's happening. And it all started as soon as he rode into town on Palm Sunday. Well, when he died that horrible death on the cross of Calvary, thank God he made a way for whosoever will. Amen. I'm, hey, look up here. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. Amen. I said I'm glad I'm a whosoever. We gave out t-shirts in schools uh, over the past few years. It says, are you a whosoever on the front? And on the back it tells you what a whosoever is. Amen. I'm glad I'm among the whosoever. Hallelujah, friend. I'm glad that on December 9th, 1994, this whosoever became a, 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 a child of the king. And you could be the same. He, he came to save you too if you've never been saved. You are a whosoever this morning. The debt of sin, my friend, was paid when he cried. Brother, brother Ethan, when he cried, it is finished. That's all she wrote. I mean, friend, the work was done. All we got to do now is believe. When he cried, it is finished. He meant it was finished. The work of salvation has been completed because he is the Messiah, the King of Kings. 
The debt of sin had been paid forever and a new living way had been opened to God. The veil has been broken so that we could all still go free. Amen, hot dog and hallelujah. I'm glad that the veil of the temple was ripped because that signified, hey, that new way has been made to heaven. You say, you say if you really study the tabernacle, you'll find that that veil was so thick that even the oxen couldn't rip it apart. Men surely couldn't rip it apart. And so you know what you see when you find, when you read the story about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, especially at the cross of Calvary, you know what you see there? You see the work of the Trinity. The work of the Trinity. God the Son's on the cross. He just died and said it is finished. God the Father's up in heaven. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Where's God the Holy Ghost at? I tell you where God the Holy Ghost was at. Immediately when the Lord cried, it is finished, God the Holy Ghost came around and ripped that veil, amen, and made a way for us to be saved so that we could still go free. Thank God, I'm free. I'm free. I've been made free. If the Son shall make you free, thank God you shall be free indeed. All because of the, everything that took place that started on Palm Sunday. Amen. Well, we find that um, he died just like he said he would die. We find that it all happened. The veil, of the, of the, uh, the veil had been broken. And Jesus is the King of kings and the, Lord, the other way to heaven. Last of all today, when we see that the King is coming, we find the promise of the coming King. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19 real quick. Things are about to, business is done picked up. The rapture of the church is done taking place. Those that are saved by the grace of God are out of here. Revelation chapter number four, you can read about it. And after these things, amen. Hey brother, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. But now we see in Revelation 19, we see something else that I want to bring to your attention. The promise of the coming king. Verse number 11. Look with me at verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Think about this for a moment. Palm Sunday, he come riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Right here, He's coming back on a white horse. How about them apples, amen? And by the way, those who are saved by the grace of Almighty God, we're coming with them. I'm going to ride on a white horse with them, amen? And somebody said one time, Brother Walter, you mean to tell me that my grandma who died of crippling arthritis and had a disease and she died of cancer, you mean to tell me that she's going to come back on a white horse with Jesus too? You better believe she is because you think about this. Grandma's not coming back the way she went. 
Huh? Grandma's not going to come back the way she went. As a matter of fact, Grandma can ride between that horse's ears if she wants to. I'm telling you, friend, it's all going to be, it's going to be a glorious day when we all come back with the Lord Jesus Christ and He's going to rule and reign with the rod of iron. He's going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And watch this. The government's going to be upon His shoulder. Washington ain't got nothing to do with it. Hey, man. BC ain't got nothing to do with it. He's going to be the one ruling the roost. Amen? He is. And friend of mine, the coming king, he's going to rule and reign as king. We got some who thought they were king, ruling us now, trying to rule us. And let them be reminded, they work for us, not we for them. But there's going to come a day when Jesus Christ comes back and he's going to rule and reign as king. We see the promise of the coming king. The great king came and died like the prophet said he would, but that is not the end of the story. Three days later we know that he got up out of that grave. As like the old song goes, you just can't keep a good man down. Amen. After he arose, he went back to heaven according to Acts chapter 1, number 1, verse number 11. The angel said, you've been in Galilee. Why send you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, amen. This same Jesus that you've seen going uh, into heaven, so come back in like manner as you seen him go. The same Jesus that walked this earth. The same Jesus that was born uh, uh, to be the Messiah. The same Jesus that died on the cross. The same Jesus that arose from the grave. The same Jesus that performed miracle after miracle after miracle. The same Jesus that caused the blind to see. The death to hear and the lame to walk. The same Jesus that saved those by the grace of God is the same one as the coming back. Amen. That's what the angel said in Acts 1.11. The same Jesus that you've seen gone away is coming back. With the promise, I will come again. John 14 says so. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house of many mansions, why not so I would have told you. I got to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's coming back. Then when he comes back at the rapture of the church, he's going to come back later in the Revelation. This is where business picks up. The promise of his appearing, we already talked about that. But finally, finally, we find here the promise of his authority. You see, when he came the first time, he had no place to even lay his head. When he came the first time, men mocked him, rejected him, put him to death. But the next time he comes, say man, the next time he comes, things are going to be different than they were before. He's not coming back to, to die on a cross. No, he's coming back to rule with a rod of iron. He will not be coming as a lonely Nazarene, but he'll be coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be coming. He's not coming to redeem man, but to rule over man. This time he will not be mocked, but this time he's going to put his enemies under his feet. Men will not put him to death, but he will put men to death just by the, with the word of his mouth, according to what I just read. He will subdue and destroy all the enemies of God. Last of all, would you look with me in verse 16. Again, and he hath on his vesture and on his side name written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is the ruler of rulers. He will rule and occupy a throne and he will govern. He will reign with righteousness, perfection, and glory upon the earth for 1,000 years. And at the end of that period, Satan and all of his followers are going to be cast 
into the eternal lake of fire. He will judge the lost and throw them in the lake of fire according to Revelation chapter number 20. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead would judge out of those books according to their words. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life shall be cast into the eternal lake of fire. And friend, he's going to return as a ruling monarch and all those who refuse his salvation will be judged and damned for all of eternity. In other words, the very one this morning who could be your Savior, one day will be your judge if you don't get saved. Let me say it again. The very one who came on Palm Sunday riding on the little donkey is going to come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he could be your Savior, but if you don't get saved, he could be your judge one day. And you could be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Then it'll be too late. If you're lost and never been saved, then you need to get saved before it is too late, friend. He's coming again. He's coming as king. Oh, the king is coming. Oh, the king is coming. Today, as you've been shown what I showed you from the word of God, I didn't give you Taylor Mann's opinion. I didn't give you Brother Walter's, uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, my opinion, whatever. I gave you the word of God. I gave you facts. We've seen how prophecy was fulfilled. We've seen how prophecy is going to be fulfilled. He's coming back, friend. Are you ready? Are you ready? He is exactly who he said he is. He's the son of God, the lamb of God, the only way to God. And it comes down to this. Let me ask you a question. I'm done. If you died right now and you stood before God in heaven and God looks down at you and you look up at him as he sits upon his throne and he asks you a question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would be your answer? What would be your answer? Silver and gold have I done. Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. My answer, Brother Danny, would simply be this. I was saved by the grace of God. The blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, cleansed me from all sin. Jesus is my Savior. That's why I'm going to heaven. Is He yours? Heads bowed, eyes closed, all the house of God today. I'm finished. He's coming back, like he said. And yes, that trumpet's going to sound so loud that it is going to wake the dead. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sound, and now his face I see. Is that going to be your testimony when he does come back? Or will your testimony be, Jesus came and I got left behind? Friend, if you're not saved, you will be left behind. And I could go into the great tribulation period, but I, I won't for the sake of time. You've had enough gospel priests here at this church to know that you, you know what you need to do. As they pick out a song this morning, how many of you could honestly say today, Brother Walter... If Jesus came back right now in the next 30 seconds of time, I know I'm going to heaven when, when he comes. Would you raise your hand up high? Now, if you don't know it, please don't raise your hand. Don't lie to God. Don't lie to the Holy Ghost because he knows your heart.
You can fool some of the people some of the time, fool all the people all the time, but you'll not fool God one single time, friend. He knows your heart. He sees what's on the inside. You put your hands down. How many of you here this morning say, Brother Walter, I don't know that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Pray that I'll get this thing settled before it's too late. He is coming again. You can look at the world around us and see, hey, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Before the child of God is getting better because with each passing day, we get closer and closer to going to heaven. Closer and closer to the Lord's return. The King is coming. Are you ready? How many would say, Brother Walter, I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand up, take it right back down. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to where you are. I'll just pray for you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. I see that little hand. Thank you, young man. Somebody else, Brother Walter, I'm not saved. Pray for me. Pray for me that I'll get saved before it's eternally too late. Anybody else anywhere? The king's coming. Have you made yourself ready? Boy, what, wouldn't it be something if we knew that the president was going to come to our house, we'd make ourselves ready? Wouldn't it be something if we knew that the prince of England or the queen of England was coming or the king of another foreign country was going to come and visit us at our house? Boy, we sure would make ourselves ready, wouldn't we? Have you made yourself ready for the true king of kings? That is the question. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us and taking care of us, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord, for the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Father, you saw the little hand that's gone up now, and I pray, God, that you give them an understanding of salvation. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that you'd help them to see that they can be saved by the grace of God. Lord, I pray for this one that's never been saved, who didn't raise their hand. I pray, God, you give them a, another chance this side of eternity to be saved before it's too late. Thank you, Lord, that, Jesus, you came on this Palm Sunday. You came into Jerusalem knowing that you're just passing through on your way to Calvary knowing that you are on your way to, to the cruel cross. Thank you for taking our place, Lord, upon that cruel tree. Thank you for shedding your blood so that we might could still go free. Thank you, Lord, for loving us like you do and putting up with us like you do. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You head on to the back. I know folks would love to be able to shake your hands, give you an elbow, whatever we're doing these days. And uh, thank you for coming, as always. Give you a tater. There you go. You can give. Teach them the taters real quick. You got the big tater. You got the French. Is that that's a nugget? That's a nugget. That's a nugget. See, uh, tater tot. Tater tot. There you go. What's French fries? French fries is that. So whatever you give him on the way out. And, uh, you're not doing that with me. Uh, I'm thankful you're not doing that with me. Amen. <laughs> Hey, great mess. How many thankful King's coming? Amen. Praise God for that. So we get excited for that. Hey, listen, I don't know how to say this. I, I just want to say it. Uh, that man's been a blessing. You don't know how many times we've, you know, when you're trying to find preachers, sometimes it's tough. There, uh, people are booked or you know, whatever. COVID situations. The guy was supposed to be here today at COVID. Uh, couldn't make it. And that's happened a couple times to us. And almost without fault, if he wasn't booked, I could rely on the fact that Tater Man would have hit up here to Mount Airy to take care of us. And, uh, and he's just been a blessing. How many of you enjoy his preaching? Let me challenge you. 
Uh, I know I'm not pastor right now, all that, but let me challenge you. We need to take that man on for support. Not only what he does in the schools, not only what he does across seas, not only what he does uh, in the prison ministries, but, but the way he comes alongside and helps and, and as an evangelist, doing the work of an evangelist, comes in and helps the local churches. And, uh, and so let me just say, we just need to do that. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm tired of business meetings. So let's just vote right now. How about that? How many of you say we take him on for support? How many of you agree? You say, you can't do it that way, preacher. I can do anything I want right now. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, let's just take care. He's been a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. Thankful today. Uh, we will not have service tonight because he's scheduled and booked somewhere else, and I haven't found anybody else. So uh, looks like we have a bunch of storms coming anyway. So get online about 630-ish in that neighborhood. I'll do something on there. We'll, we'll make some noise and uh, open the word of God and, and uh, share something, whatever God gives me from my heart tonight. And so you can join me on there. And, uh, of course, next week, Easter Sunday, uh, be in your place, invite folks. Uh, it's the one time of year besides Christmas folks are really thinking about, you know, coming to church. And so uh, we're going to have a great preacher here next week. I, I know you'll hear the gospel. Pray for me. I'll be preaching uh, out of town next week and, uh, and have an opportunity to pray for those services, too. That folks come in the first time, many of everyone hear that message you hear every single week. That there's a God in heaven that loves them so much. He died for them, was buried, rose again. And if they would repent, change their mind, put their full weight and trust in the fact that he did that for them, and call upon his name, that he would save them. Isn't that great that's made message ever? That's the message that got you in. If you're relying on something else that got you in, you better rely on that message. Amen. And uh, my Bible still says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God is raising from the dead. Here's the promise. Thou shalt be saved. I don't know who raised their hand back there. If you got it settled or not, that's how you get it settled. Don't leave this place without knowing. Amen. I'd love to help you if you, if you don't have it settled before you leave. All right. We're going to close with a song right now. So uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Stay safe. Let's go ahead and stand. As we sing our closing song to God be the glory. And there's no choir practice.